It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's the pocket. And Into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder. 85 yards. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone. It's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's Wednesday, so it's time for Midweek with Manish. Manish Mehta covering the Jets for the New York Daily News. Hey, Manish, what's going on? Hey, Scott. How are you doing? I'll tell you, man, the weather is getting weird around here. It was a huge heat wave, and now all of a sudden it's cooling down. Lots of rain going on. And it's been kind of murky looking outside, real sad, sad, sort of like the end of the Jets' tenure of Quincy Inunua. He was officially released along with Ben Braden and Trenton Cannon. Also, Wyatt Ray, not even really sure who he is, but he was released. Trenton Cannon, a sixth-round pick in 2018. Speed for days, but just could never put it together as a football player. He's one of those guys that had great straight-line speed, but not much else. And Ben Braden was just a reserve guard, whatever. The big story here, of course, is Quincy and Nunwa. And Manish, this is sad because here's a guy that when he was healthy, he was a really good wide receiver. Very few guys were more fun to watch after the catch. He reminded a lot of people, including myself, of Anquan Bolden, but he just could not stay healthy the last couple of years. It all started in 2017 when he had that neck injury, and it just spiraled after that. He barely played. In fact, I believe after Mike McCagnin signed him, he had one catch for negative four yards. That was the extent of his contribution after that contract. Again, really, really sad because he was a really good player and fun to watch, but he just could not stay on the field. The only thing about this is the timing was a little strange because they had put him on IR, and I think people expected that that's just where he was going to stay for the season. Instead, they cut bait altogether. What was behind the decision to do that, Manish? Well, look, as you said, he, he had the $6 million uh, fully guaranteed base salary. Uh, the, you know, the question was how would the Jets handle the $4.1 million injury guarantee he had for 2021? Uh, as far as I understand, the Jets uh, are going to be on the hook for that, uh, so a little bit over $10 million. Uh, the timing of it, as you said, is you know a little bit unusual. They could have easily done this back in May when they put – Anunua uh, on the, the PUP list, but I, I think at that point there was a disagreement over you know whether the Jets actually could wiggle out of paying the injury guarantee. Uh, they obviously felt that uh, you know that was not a possibility, and you know terms of the agreement are pretty clear in that uh, Quincy Anunua you know was owed that money, so he's going to get that full ten million dollars. But uh, you know as you said. You know, it's unfortunate that his career with the Jets and in all likelihood his NFL career ended because of the injuries. He missed two, pretty much two of the last three seasons because uh, of the neck injury that he suffered uh, 
sadly, because he had come off a really solid season in 2016. There was so much promise. You know, he filled in uh, and uh, and really became one of Ryan Fitzpatrick's uh, you know go-to guys. Uh, statistically, he had a shade uh, under 900 yards, I think. But there's a lot of potential there, and you know, you talked about Anquan Bolden and toughness, and that's really what embodied uh, Quincy Anunwa, uh as a player. A great blocker, a great run after the catch guy, an easy guy if you're a fan to root for, just because of the way he played. Now he's not a guy who ran out of bounds. You know, he he saw the contact, and you know, I think that was part of. You know, the issues that ultimately got him hurt and got him, you know, nicked up from time to time. But, hey, you know, guys play a certain way. You know, they're they're trained to play a certain way. And you know, his way was always to, to give 100% and, and not take the easy way out. And I always respected him for that. Uh, you know, he was a locker room leader, a guy that players respected under Todd Bowles. He was one of the captains. I know that he was one of Bowles' favorite players. Even though Bowles was uh, a defensive-minded coach, you know, he really – Enjoyed having Quincy Anunwa uh, on the roster, as I know his teammates did too. So, look, he's a young guy. He's an extremely smart guy, bright guy, a lot of varied interests. I think he's going to do really well in life. Uh, again, he's a guy who's easy to root for uh, if you if you're just around him. Uh, you know, seeing how he you know comports himself. Uh, you know, he's always a professional. I, I respected that he was honest. Uh, you know, I thought it was unfortunate this past season when uh, you know there was a angst uh, certainly on his part on his end after the Jets fined him the maximum for missing a couple uh, rehab sessions. Uh, I know the, I believe he said that he he went to lunch with uh, his wife one of those days. It was Veterans Day. His wife is a veteran, and I think that's something that. Uh, you know, he didn't particularly like. There were some some communication issues. I think that had been a recurring issue with the team. Just some communication gaps between the team and players. And and Quincy wasn't the first guy to express that. Uh, he hasn't been the last guy to express that either. But uh, you know that, that you know it's kind of an unfortunate uh, chapter at, at the end of his tenure with the Jets. But when he was playing. Now, he's a guy that you know. I, you know, I, I don't root for players, uh, but I, he's a guy I, I really admired and respected because of the way he played and just kind of how he handled himself as a professional. Manish, you sort of touched on this, but considering the extent of the injuries and the long list of them, it really does feel like this is probably not just the end of the road for Nunez as a Jet, but the end of the road for Nunez as an NFL player, right? I think so. Now he hasn't made any kind of declarative statements, but the the neck issue, the neck injury, it's a serious one. Uh, again, this is a guy who has a lot going for him in his life outside of football. You know, he's only 28 years old. He's a young man. He's got his whole life ahead of him. Uh, I think he can do a lot of you know impactful things uh, that have nothing to do with football, and uh, it would be. I think it would be risky, you know, probably needlessly risky to, to try to play again. Again, you know, I, I don't know what his thought process is. I just, you know, knowing what I know about him, uh, I think that I think he'll take the smart approach, even though I'm sure he wants to play. I mean, why wouldn't he? These guys all love playing football and he's only 28. But, uh, you know, I hope he makes the right decision for himself. He's a guy, again, who I've always respected and, uh, you know, he's a guy I, I want to see succeed, uh, you know, beyond football. And I think he will. 
While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Quincy Nunwa and Brian Winters were the last two guys on this team that were drafted by John Idzik. And now they're both gone because Brian Winters was released and he ends up in Buffalo. Interesting move by the Bills here. I think it's a really good depth move. They had an injury on the offensive line. And this way they can keep Cody Ford at tackle and not try to move him to guard. So Winters may step right in there as a starter. And at the very least, he gives them an option. Any idea what the financials are there? I know he was due to make $7 million from the Jets. Is it going to be anything close to comparable with the Bills? No, it's not. Uh, I don't know the exact contract. I would imagine it's in the veteran minimum neighborhood. Uh, and that's, you know, I thought the timing, you know, we had talked about the timing about Quincy and Nunwa being officially released. Uh, the timing in releasing Brian Winters on uh, August 2nd, it was peculiar on, on a number of different fronts. Uh, back at the Combine, back in February, Joe Douglas said publicly that uh, you know he, he, he did want to incre- uh, improve the offensive line and, and make changes. And remember, this is uh, before free agency, but uh, he, you know, he, he didn't want to just radically turn over the offensive line. Now, it turns out that that's exactly what he did. There were going to be four new offensive line starters. But he spoke really highly of Brian Winters and, and, and strongly suggested that Winters would be 
on this team. Uh, and I know that fans had looked at the contract and said, look, they could save $7 million. Why don't you just cut them? Uh, I, I, I kind of take the same approach when I, when I look at the winter situation as I did uh, the David Harris situation a few years ago uh, and along those lines, uh, Eric Decker. Because if you remember back in 2017, Decker and David Harris were cut, I think, on the same day, maybe not officially, but uh, you know, word had surfaced that the, the Jets were going to move on from both of those guys uh, in early June, which is an odd time to cut the you know a guy that you think, or two guys in that in you know in, in that situation with Decker and uh, and specifically Harris, two guys that you thought were going to be a part of your team, uh, because if you're going to cut guys, uh, especially loyal and respected players, and, and you know I. I, I said publicly on social media that this is not the proper way to treat loyal, respected players. And, you know, you get a mixed bag of reactions and the people who don't care for Brian Winters as a player will say it's a business. I, I agree that it's a business. And I also have no qualms with the Jets wanting to cut Brian Winters. They could have easily, however, done that at the outset of free agency because this is how players view it. And it's just, this is not just a Brian Winters situation or a David Harris or an Eric Decker situation. This is you know, across the league. If you're not going to be a part of your team's plans and they're going to move on from you, uh, then just you know, cut. Like, this is how players look at it. Just cut me uh, during free agency because at that point, teams have their, their money available. And I'm not saying Brian Winters would have gotten $7 million from another team, but I'm pretty certain that he would have gotten more than the veteran minimum, which is in all likelihood what he got from Buffalo. Uh, so it's not about you know, not, not finding a team. Brian Winters is an is established enough veteran that he was always going to find another team. It's just when the money dries out uh, you know, four months after free agency, you're kind of just left with scraps you know, just from a financial uh, position. So why not just cut Winters during free agency to give him opportunity to find a fair deal? Uh, you know, again, it's not just money. Money is a significant factor, but uh, there are also more jobs of quote unquote jobs available back in in March than there are in January. Now, it just so happened, yeah, as you just touched on Scott, that the the right guard for Buffalo you know, suffered a season ending injury. Now they're going to have a, a kind of an open competition at that spot. Um, what what I thought was odd was that. You know, publicly, Joe Douglas said what he did about uh, about uh, Brian Winters, but he also let Brian Winters believe that he would compete for the starting job after free agency, after they had signed Greg Van, Van Roten, who I believe his experience is primarily on the left side, but uh, you know they've got Alex Lewis re-signed on the left side, so Van Roten would be competing uh, or starting on the right side, and my understanding this entire time, you know, the last three or four months is that that the Jets told Brian Winters that you are going to compete. We want competition, uh, you know, at that right guard spot. You're going to compete. And I think that, you know, Brian Winters has been in the league for seven years. I, you know, like most players who are confident in their abilities, they think, well, okay, that's great. All I want is an opportunity to compete. I will compete with Greg Van Roten. I'll compete with whoever you want me to compete with. And I think I'm going to win the job. But if I don't win the job, if you view you know, the other guy as better, then I can live with that. So I thought it was odd that the Jets held on to Winters that long. You know, the opportunities, at least from a financial standpoint, and really from a, a, you know, a volume of opportunity, job 
standpoint. You know, those had dried up. But to tell a player like that who had been a draft pick of yours, had been a loyal employee, never gotten in trouble, uh, he's tough as nails, everybody in that organization who are you know, people in the organization now, people who had been in the organization back when he was drafted, they will all tell you the same thing. The guy, you know, everybody loves the guy. I, I mean, I can't find a person in that organization, uh, you know, in, in the last seven years that could say a bad word about Brian Winters. Everybody respected him. So a player like that kind of falls in line to me, like uh, a guy like David Harris. You know, those guys deserve some respect. And if you're going to tell him that we're going to hang on to you and you do so for months because you're going to get an opportunity to compete and then to cut him before he actually gets an opportunity to compete, that to me I thought was odd. I don't think that organizations should treat the players like that in that fashion. And look, Brian Winters is not going into the Hall of Fame. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that the guy did things the right way for seven years, and there's no, there's nothing wrong with the team wanting to cut him, but that, but to kind of mislead him in the sense that they misled him, you know, I thought that was odd. Manish, does it strike you that maybe they just didn't want him because, like you said, the Bills probably gave him something around the veteran minimum. If the Jets really wanted to keep him around and they needed to save money, couldn't they just have restructured with him? They could have. Uh, my understanding is that that's a, you know, that's a conversation that could happen, that could have happened months ago, and that was not broached. That, that's my understanding. That, 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 you know, that, I think that's what fans actually were saying back in February and March. Uh, and it's obviously a thought that crossed my mind, which is, you know, if you think $7 million is too much for a guy who just missed half the season coming off an injury, you know, has been injured uh, you know, at various points in his career, uh, if you just think that price is too much, why don't you just say, hey, look, we want to keep you. Would you play for $3 million? Would you play for $2 million? Like, how, what do you think? Like, do you think that that uh, is, you know, a way to go? Would you do that? And you know, Scott, maybe you can kind of help me out on this because my memory is a little bit fuzzy, but I kind of remember a similar situation with the Brickishoff Ferguson at the end when he retired. I kind of, I, there's something about a pay cut, and again, I, I, off the top of my head, I don't remember exactly, but uh, uh, I, I think there was a similar situation with that, and I don't think, if memory serves, I don't think the Jets offered David Harris a pay cut. Uh, I, I know that the Harris and Decker moves a few years back was an ownership-driven move to save money because uh, you know, Woody Johnson did not believe that the Jets were going to really be competing for anything in 2017. So that's why he decided to cut David Harris and Eric Decker. I believe they saved about $13, $14 million in cash that year by moving on from both of those guys. And that... Frankly, those moves were not moves that were well-received uh, in the organization for a number of different reasons. So it could very well be a similar situation where ownership just wants to save the $7 million. Uh, we will find out soon enough, and I know that you and I are going to talk about this later in the podcast, about uh, you know, are, you know, are they saving money? Are they punting for next season? Are they going to you know, use these savings that they have from – Brian Winters and C.J. Mosley because C.J. Mosley, uh, you know, has uh, six million dollars in base salary that they're going to save on because he's because he opted out. So you know, the next moves for the Jets, if there are any, are going to tell us a lot. I think about uh, moves like the Brian Winters cut because if they're just trying to save money, they're just going to hold on to the money. 
and you know, keep the seven million dollars in their pocket. But if they're actually going to use that money, reallocate it toward bringing in somebody else, then uh, you know they they had a bigger plan in mind. But either way, I mean, they could have moved on from Brian Winters months ago, and I would not have any issue with them moving on from Brian Winters if they thought he wasn't good enough or he was making too much money and they didn't want to have him around at any price. I would completely understand that. But the timing, you know, I, I just think a player like that, uh, you know, should have should be afforded more respect uh, after being so loyal for so long. Manish, this may be what you're talking about. In 2013, DeBrickashaw Ferguson restructured his contract to free up a few million dollars so the Jets could trade for and give a new contract to Chris Ivory. So it has been done before with an incumbent offensive lineman. I think that what this tells you is that the Jets really weren't that interested in keeping Brian Winters, which is a shame because for all the bad with him, the injuries and all the inconsistent play, they could have used his depth at guard. So they could have restructured. I think it would have been the better move. But now he moves on to Buffalo. So he's gone. Anunwa is gone. But C.J. Mosley is here. Unfortunately, though, he's not going to be playing in 2020. Did opt out due to concerns over the coronavirus. He explained his decision in a call on Facebook Live the other day. You were able to check it out. What did he have to say? Yeah, he you know, he called it the the biggest football decision he's made in a very long time. Uh, I think uh, he he the way he put it, it's the biggest football decision he's made since he decided to go to Alabama. And uh, look, guys are going to make the decisions that make the most sense for them and their families. He has a young son. Uh, he did not want to risk exposing his young son to the virus. Uh, you know, you have to respect that. I mean, these are personal decisions. These are decisions that uh, are different for everybody, you know, football player or otherwise. And if he does not think that it is worth playing, if the risks far outweigh uh, the reward, then he's going to do what's right for his family. He, you know, he even touched on this uh, Facebook Live call which was uh, put together in conjunction with the Wounded Warrior Project, and he has a, a military family. Uh, you know, this Facebook Live event uh, on Monday actually had a couple of his uncles who were uh, veterans on, uh, you know, on the event or the video event as well. But uh, then he took a call. Sorry, he took a, a few questions from a veteran who asked him, you know, what are some some of the more difficult challenges you, you've had and and how have you overcome them? And he immediately cited what had happened a couple of days earlier, which was opting out. You know, it's a difficult decision. He, he made it. It was a difficult decision. He knows that there are people who are going to be critical of that decision. But, uh, you know, as he said, I, you know, I got to look out for my family. And you know, that's, a, again, it's a personal decision for all of these players and coaches, anybody involved. And you, you can't begrudge them for doing what's right, you know, in, in you know, amid a pandemic, uh, you know, you don't make you don't get to make those decisions for other people and other people don't get to make those decisions for you so i don't begrudge him at all uh you know from a pure football standpoint it really hurts the jets uh given that uh, a week earlier they had traded their best player jamal adams they probably uh now will be without their second best player in cj mosley so greg williams did a, a really uh, commendable job last year uh the, the jets defense was one of the more efficient units in the league, and uh, I still to this day, uh, I'm, I, I don't quite know how Greg Williams pulled it off. When you just look at the personnel, specifically on the back end at the cornerback position, you know, they were really hurting that cornerback, and somehow 
know, th- this defense was, was solid. You know, this wasn't a top five defense or anything like that, but it was a really solid group that I think overachieved uh, despite a litany of injuries, and those are things that Greg Williams never complained about. But this is going to be a very difficult challenge for him. If he does not get uh, more players, if, if the Jets don't add, in, add you know, a Logan Ryan or, or Jadavian Clowney uh, or, uh, you know, Yannick Ngakwe or any significant additional piece, this is going to be a big challenge for Greg Williams in this defense to, uh, you know, uh, forget about getting better than last year, but even maintaining the level that they were at, you know, without Jamal Adams and CJ Mosley. Manisha, I want to come back to the three guys you just mentioned before, Ngakwe, Clowney, and Ryan. But first, do you have any information about any other players that may be considering opting out at this point? I don't know. Uh, you know, the, the teams keep that close to the vest. Uh, typically, you know, fans want to kind of know what's happening. Uh, I guess as an update, Mosley is the second player to opt out. They had a reserve offensive lineman, Leo uh, Leo K, I'll call him. I can't pronounce his last name. <laughs> he uh, he had opted out earlier. Uh, but typically, what happens is the NFL releases uh, their their COVID list every day uh, on the transaction wire. It gets uh, it hits the public. Uh, when I say the public, I mean the, there's a website that media can access. It hits the the, the transaction wire technically at five o'clock. Uh, there are, you know. Uh, there, there are some, you know, national reporters who get the wire, uh, you know, about 4:30, somewhere like that, 4:30 Eastern time, uh, and that's where you'll get the the full list uh, about players that have opted out. And again, teams can't even disclose uh, why. Uh, I mean, they they can't disclose obviously why a guy opted out. But even if players are put on the COVID list, the COVID-19 list, they're put on that list because they've been. Test, tested positive or they've been in close proximity with someone who had uh, tested positive and they're being quarantined. The teams can't even reveal which of those two apply to the player if they're, if they're put on the COVID-19 list. So you know, the league has a pretty regimented policy on how they're divvying out this information. Typically, again, uh, on, on most days, it'll probably uh, come to light around 4:30 and uh, around five, everyone has it. But around 4:30, enough people uh, get the you know get that list in advance. So, uh, as far as I know, you know those are the only two guys who have opted out. They, 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 players have until uh, I believe Thursday uh, to opt out. Uh, I disagree with that. I mean, Scott, we, we, this is probably a conversation worth having. Uh, I am of the belief that players should have an opportunity to at least experience, you know, one or two practices before deciding to opt out because you want the players to feel comfortable. And right now players, uh, you know, are just coming into the building. So they're having their social distance meetings uh, in the building, but they actually haven't gone out as a unit. They have, you know, they started their walkthroughs this week. That's a lot different than actually going through a practice And the jets, for example. And I think most teams, will start their first non-padded practices on August 12th. So we're still, you know, a, a week, about a week out. Uh, and I know it's not with pads. Pads don't come on until, you know, five to seven days after that. But uh, at the very least, I think it's fair for players to have an opportunity to at least experience a couple practices, even if they're, in their, if they're the non-padded variety. And obviously, ideally, I think that the league should allow players to actually undergo a padded practice to see what it's like to see if they feel comfortable 
before giving, uh, you know, giving them that opt-out deadline. You know, having the opt-out deadline before they've actually stepped on the field outside of a walkthrough, I, I, don't, I don't know. There's something about that that, that, doesn't, that doesn't sit well with me. Allowing the players to experience a couple of practices before being told that they can't opt out anymore might be the best way for the NFL to avoid a Jonas Cespedes type situation, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, you definitely don't want guys, you know, just kind of packing up their gear and then uh, telling, uh, telling uh, their employers that they've opted out. Now, what I don't know is what the repercussions would be if, say, a player you know, does feel uncomfortable after the you know a padded practice a couple weeks from now, because right now the setup is such that if you do opt out, you essentially get a hundred fifty thousand dollar salary advance. Now, if there's some extreme COVID related issues that you have, I think you get a three hundred fifty thousand dollar salary advance. Uh, so let's just say for all intents and purposes, most of the time players are going to get a hundred fifty dollar salary advance. And that $150,000 for, uh, for C.J. Mosley, for example, you know, he's scheduled to make $6 million this year. He's opting out. Uh, now, he got a $10 million roster bonus, which he's already gotten. But his base salary for this year was $6 million. The Jets are essentially taking $150,000 of that $6 million out right now. So he gets paid that now. But next year, when he actually gets on the field and starts playing, he won't get paid $6 million. He'll only get paid uh, five point. Eight five million dollars, so they'll subtract the hundred fifty thousand dollars that they're giving him. So in, in essence, it's a it's a salary advance for for this year. Uh, so I'm curious, you know, what happens if a player opt out th- three weeks from now? Uh, they're not going to get that hundred fifty thousand dollar salary advance. But I wonder, and this is probably something I should look into. But I wonder if there are any any repercussions, or whether a player can just say, "Hey, look, uh, you know, on August twenty fifth." Uh, say I, I'm opting out. I don't feel comfortable with the environment, uh, uh, and I think I, mean, I think the fair thing would be would be if you're not going to give him a salary advance, just to say, okay, you get to opt out. There, you know, you're not getting fined or anything, and that's probably the path, you know, that that would happen. I think I think that's that that seems reasonable to me. So you know, if you if you don't care about that $150,000 salary advance. Uh, there's not, nothing really stopping you from opting out at any point. Uh, you know, a guy like C.J. Mosley, for example, I mean, he's got untold millions, so I don't think this $150,000 salary advance was um, any kind of motivational factor for him regardless. And, you know, uh, I, anyway, I, I it just it's something that didn't sit well with me. I, I, don't, I don't agree with the idea of the opt-out deadline being so early. I just I, I don't think that's fair to the players. And I think, look, I think if you, if you polled most people, they would say, yeah, I think uh, it's it's reasonable to allow a player to experience the full life in training camp. And that includes practice before determining whether they feel comfortable enough to move on with the season. Certainly an interesting discussion to be had. I think that the players union and the league are going to have to take a hard look at this going forward because I'm hoping that we don't have a similar situation at any point in the future, but you never know. You always got a plan, and if anything, this should have taught us that. So now going forward, hopefully the league and the players union will get together and figure out some sort of contingency or, as you said, something that would allow these players to feel comfortable in a circumstance where they have a little bit more time to make the decision. Manish, we've got a long discussion coming up about what the Jets can do 
from here on out with Mosley gone, with Jamal Adams gone, and with a couple of impact players still available. So we're going to run that as part two tomorrow. In the meantime, though, I know you've got plenty up at the Daily News. What do you got cooking over there? Well, one of the things uh, you know I'd like to explore right about is just what life will be during the season for players uh, playing in empty stadiums because uh, a lot of players, uh, I, I think of defensive players mainly, who get juiced up uh, by the crowd. Uh, you know, you know the, these guys, especially for home games, when the crowd is really loud, when the defense is on the field, they, you know, that kind of energizes them. And I've talked to defensive players throughout the years, and they've always said they, they feed off of that. So uh, a couple Jets players, a uh, couple on defense and Sam Darnold on offense, obviously talked about that, and it's just something that I think is interesting for fans to hear. You know, hear uh, how players feel about the prospects of playing in either an empty stadium or a stadium with only a few thousand people. Go ahead and check out Manish in the Daily News and follow him on Twitter. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.